I want to just talk uh, for a few moments this morning about prayer. Um, you know, prayer is one of those things in the Bible that it's just, first of all, laced throughout the Bible, right? And there are many different kinds of ways and types of praying. Uh, the Barna group has done research and has found that 82% of Americans prayed at least once in the last 90 days. And so it means that we like to pray, which is good as a country. Uh, and, and I'm not saying all of those 82% are Christian, but uh, people pray and people like to pray and most frequently like to pray kind of alone and pray more in a quiet kind of a manner, which is valid and good. But uh, I feel as I've talked to people that so many of us are not very confident when it comes to praying. We don't feel good at it. We don't feel probably that we pray the right way or pray enough. And we have a lot of hangups as it has to do with prayer. And so I want to talk a little bit about prayer this morning. Um, that kind of quiet prayer and that prayer where you lock your, yourself away uh, in your prayer closet or you go off on an alone walk. I love that kind of praying. It's a powerful form of praying to just be thankful, to worship, to listen to God, to, uh, to be able to express thanksgiving. But there's also another form of praying that I'm going to kind of hone in on today that you, prayer becomes like a weapon and it breaks down and tears down strongholds. And this is maybe one that we're like, oh, okay, what does that mean and how do I do that? Um, because prayer is powerful. The Apostle Paul said that prayer is like a divine weapon. He said, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards, for the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have a divine power to destroy strongholds. And so there's, when you say, well, what weapon is he talking about? He's talking about prayer. He's talking about the, we have the ability as sons and daughters of the Most High God to be able to go to God and pray to him and see his power released through our praying. And it's an amazing privilege that we have. God stands ready and willing and able for his infinite power to flow through our lives as those who pray and those who are in right relationship with Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that God flows through uh, the power of prayer, changing circumstances, changing relationships, changing situations, and even changing the tenor of a community. Sometimes the only thing holding back the dam, this release of God's power into our lives, is prayer. Maybe one powerful prayer. Maybe it's an ongoing series of a lot of prayers and praying that does that. Well, I want to look at an example today from the Old Testament. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. And uh, let me tell you the background of this particular story. The children of Israel were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. They were set free through a series of miracles that Moses, the appointed leader, had, had uh, accomplished, of course, by the power of God. So here they are. They have, they're in, they've already crossed the Red Sea. They're in the, going towards the Promised Land, but they're in this wandering period of their lives 
in the wilderness. And, uh, and the bummer is that they run out of food and they run out of water. Huge bummer, right? Because we're talking about one to two million people, a lot of people that are part of this newly formed emerging nation. And, and Moses, of course, by the hand of God, uh, calls on God and God gives them food through manna. And in this particular account in Exodus 17 that we're going to look at, we see where the people ran out of water. They begin grumbling. They're ready to kind of bring Moses uh, to a place of maybe killing him because they're upset. And again, there's this time of prayer and water flows out of a rock. Now, when I think of that, because I've done hiking and backpacking, I think of like a little spring you know, a little rock with some ferns around it and the water comes out. But think again about how many people need water. So we're not talking about a couple Nalgenes of water. We're talking about millions of gallons of water flowing out of this rock to quench the thirst of this very thirsty nation. And so they see God perform this amazing miracle, right? Now, what happened right after that? That's where we're going to pick up, Exodus 17, verse 8. What happens is they come under attack. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, isn't it interesting that often in our own lives, after spiritual breakthrough, after some display of God's miraculous power, maybe even just after that time where you've spent some quality time in prayer and intimacy with God and you just think it's going to be an amazing day and you come out of your prayer closet and then all hell breaks loose. Has that ever happened to you? Well, that's exactly what is happening here. Moses, in verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now they weren't looking for a fight. They weren't asking for a fight. They were just trying to mind their business and cross this wilderness to a promised land that God had given them. And yet here comes this enemy attack in their life. And the enemy, the Amalekites, wanted one thing, which was to destroy them all. And so Moses comes up with this game plan of prayer. Because we're going to look at three powerful uh, principles here that come out of this particular narrative about praying, praying and experiencing the power of God through prayer. See, the very first thing is that we see in the life of Moses is he depended on God's power through prayer. He knew that this is too big for us to just go and do. These are not trained warriors. These, are, these have been slaves for hundreds of years. They're not, they, it's not like they're armed to the teeth. They they're barely know what they're doing when it comes to warfare. We're toast unless God comes through in some way. And so we've got to depend on God's power in prayer. And here's the approach, he says. He says, tomorrow, Joshua, you're going to be the appointed leader, and you're going to take all of the fighting men who are trained, who are strong, and you're going to, you're going to go down into the plains, and you're going to meet the enemy, and you're going to fight with courage. But he said, 
I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to be there. Instead, I'm going to take two other guys. We're going to climb up on this hilltop on top of this rock, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to be up there, and we're going to watch over the battle, but we are going to be interceding for you and for the troops. He says, I'm asking you to go and do one thing. I'm going to do this other, and we're going to trust in the power of God. And we're going to watch what God does. Now, it's really interesting when you know the life of Moses, because Moses, uh, many historians tell us that he actually had been a general in the army. He was trained under the house of Pharaoh as a son, and he understood military warfare. And Moses was a man of action. He was a doer. In the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 7 It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, was powerful in speech and action. So Moses knew militarily what he should do, and he knew that he could add great value if he was down on the battlefield with the troops. And he was a doer. You remember, I mean, he sometimes got way ahead of himself. Uh, One time he saw two of his fellow Israelites being attacked when he was in Egypt. And you remember, he just, boom, took them out with some ninja moves and (laughs) took these guys out and buried them. I mean, this guy knew how to fight. And he was a man of action. And he often relied on himself, maybe a little too much. But he was in this learning curve where God was teaching him not to do that. God was teaching him to depend on God's power and strength. And so we see those plagues in Egypt. We see the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. We see the, uh, you know, the giving of manna and the water from the rock and all of these miracles that God is teaching Moses something. And so he takes a different tact. Well, Joshua agrees. I mean, Joshua believes in prayer too. And he'd rather have Moses up on the hill praying for him than he would maybe even incorporating his skills on the battlefield. And so it says in verse 10, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur were to the top of the hill, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Really strange, right? Whenever he would be lifting up his hands, the battle would go in favor of Israel. And whenever he would lower his hands, all of a sudden the Amalekites would begin to prevail. So the next day the battle begins and Moses, he's not there. He's on the hillside. He's not down in the thick of the battle. He's praying. And uh, this lifting up of hands is kind of a, And you see it throughout scripture. It's a a form of praise. It's a form of worship. It's a form of prayer. And so Moses is praying. He's interceding. He's doing warfare in a different way. He's worshiping. And while his hands are lifted up in prayer and his staff that's in his hand is raised, Israel is winning. And it turns out that prayer can be kind of tiring because he begins over the hours of the long, hot day to begin to lower his hands just due to the muscle fatigue. And all of a sudden, 
Malachites begin to win. And it turns out that prayer can be a lot of work. It turns out that it can be a little harder than we think. And it, that when you intercede on behalf of other people, it's work. It can be tiring. It can be easy to just kind of give up, especially if you don't see the tide turning very fast. So he raises his hands back up. The, the battle turns again in favor of Israel. There's this prevailing power of prayer in this surrendered position with Moses lifting his hands up high. You remember what Paul said to Timothy? He said, I, what I want mostly is for men to pray, not shaking angry fists at enemies, but raising holy hands to God. And so we pray. Now, I, it, you don't have to lift your hands every time you pray, but lifting of your hands is a form of prayer and worship and surrender and dependence upon God's power. God allows Moses, through prayer, to be an intercessor. That is a channel of divine power into human affairs. That's what an intercessor is. When you make yourself available to God to become a channel of divine power in someone else's life or in a different situation. Now, there's really no magic about Moses lifting his hands, but that is in this particular situation that we're reading about how God was using him in that, in that particular battle. Now, think with me. When the battle is done, who will probably get the credit? Probably Joshua. He's on the battlefield. He's where the action is. I mean, there's going to be some MVP players there that are kind of grandstanded and highlighted, maybe written about. But Joshua knew that without Moses on the hill and without his two friends, Aaron and Hur, on the hill praying, that they would not have won. And so prayer is mighty. Your prayers are mighty. They're powerful. They can demolish strongholds. They can set captives free. They can change circumstances. So Joshua, he's important. Our doing, our hard work, our ingenuity, all of these things, they're important, but they're not the main ingredient. And that's where we get tripped up a lot of times. I was thinking like, good thing Moses and Joshua had a good relationship, right? Because Moses could be up on the hill and you know, playing games with Joshua and just go, hey, Joshua, look, no hands. <laughs> Ah, oh, just kidding. I don't think Joshua would like that very much. See, the battle, it's not won in the valley. It's, not, it's won on the rock. It's one praying. It's one praying. Proverbs 21, 31 says, go ahead and prepare for the conflict. Go ahead and prepare. Go ahead and work. Go ahead and think. Go ahead and plan. But victory comes from God. And the point is, is if we're willing to pray to involve God in our daily challenges and those daily battles that we have, as you look out into this fall and into the winter and you look out ahead in the next year and you're kind of seeing some potential struggles, battles, challenges, there's things that maybe even uh, grip you with fear, know that prevailing prayer is powerful and it can pave the way. It can change the course of some things. 
in our homes, in our relationships, in the marketplace, in our schools, in the church. So I want to encourage you to pray, to pray. Because God's power comes in so many different forms. Sometimes what we need right now is just courage to move ahead. Because some of you are probably facing some new things, some new challenges, something that you've never done before. And what you need is courage. Others might need creativity. Like, I've got to solve these problems. What do I do, God? Others need wisdom. Others need energy. Others need healing. See, we all need different things. And prayer is one of those things that releases the power of God in your life and in the life of other people. Here's the other thing we see here is that Moses devoted the time to prayer. Verse 10 says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. See, it was this conscious choice of priority. Do I go and fight with the troops? Do I work in that way? Or do I go up on the hillside and pray? Which one should I do? And Moses made that choice of using his time in that particular way. Moses was convinced to the very core of his being that fighting a battle, we need the strength of God. We need the release of God's power. Another way of putting it is that when you work, you work. When you pray, God works. And so we spend the time that it takes to pray. And I'm learning how to do that because, you know, I'm a doer. I love what I do. I like working. There's just something about, like, just resolving problems, right, that some of you know what I'm talking about. And you, just, you just go from problem to problem to problem, and you get this enjoyment out of being a problem solver or maybe seeing something that you produced and you did. And so it's really easy to not pray. Um, and just to kind of trust that, hey, I got what it takes to accomplish what God has called me to do. And, uh, and yet Moses makes this choice of using his time in a certain way. He took time away from one thing in order to give it to another. He said, you guys go down and fight. I'll be fighting as well, but I'm going to do it through prayer. This is one of the great barriers of prayer, is, is that one is just seeing that God's power is released through it, but then the other is to go, I believe in that enough that I'm going to spend time doing it, that I'm actually going to dedicate some time every day or every week to really pray, not just the quiet prayer, not just the thankful prayer, not, not just the personal prayer and the uh, kind of away in my prayer closet prayer, but also the prayer that prays victory, the prayer that breaks strongholds, the prayer that steps up and intercedes on behalf of others. And it's a costly decision because it'll interrupt your day. It takes time. And we see that. And we're, we just live in this country, right, that's based on productivity. All these, and, and so we're programmed that way. We're programmed to only do things that are actually productive. Or at least we've kind of categorized. These are productive, these are not non-productive. For let, let, me, let me give you a pop quiz here. Let me just go through a couple things. You tell me if they're productive or non-productive. Work. It's productive, right? Television. 
binging on Netflix, <laughs> using large power tools. <laughs> Got it right. Vacation. Ah, mixed signals there. Exercise. Now, don't say this one out loud, but just think it. Prayer. I mean, most of us kind of think it's fairly non-productive. You know, it's good, provides peace, it's important, you know, get some zen going. But most of us don't realize that it's powerful and it's productive. And therefore, we have a difficult time giving the time it needs and deserves in order to see the power of God moving through our praying. The last thing is this. Decide to involve other people in your praying. Another thing that we often struggle with. Again, the research shows that though a lot of people pray, 82% of people pray, uh, we like to pray alone, which again, not invalidating that. And we like to pray um, quietly or silently. If you don't pray with other people, you are missing out on probably over half of what it means to pray and to see the power of God released through praying. It's a lot. You'll see it throughout the Bible from cover to cover. People praying together. People praying together. Exodus 17, verses 12 and 13 says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they, they, that's Aaron and Hur, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Moses' hands were stretched heavenward, but he got tired. It's tiring to intercede for others. It's tiring to do ministry. It's tiring to do a lot of things, right, within your family. And his hands begin to lower, and two people, one was a family member and one was a friend, and they come and they, they give him a seat to sit on, and they lift up one on each side of his arms, and they lift up his hands, and Israel prevails. I love that story. I love seeing that because it shows us how dependent we are on one another, that we need each other. We need each other to fight the battles that are before us. We need each other in prayer. And God moves through the prayers of a praying people. So Moses' brother Aaron, the chief priest of Israel, and her, this leader in Israel, come and they hold up his hands. Who, where have your hands been lately? Where have your arms been lately? Have they been up, extended to God? Or have they been down by your sides? Or have they been out, ready to fight somebody? God wants our hands to be lifted high, to be lifted up, to be praying, to spending the time to do that and to invite other people into that as well. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you. I want to challenge you this morning to allow other people into your prayer life and for you to become a part of someone else's prayer life as well. 
that I want to lift up your hands today in prayer. I want to encourage you in prayer today. And, and I want to challenge you and exhort you to do that for someone else too. Because we need each other. We need to lift each other's arms up to heaven. It's so easy through the, the, the things that happen to us, the pains, the tragedies, the sufferings, the setbacks, things in our family, with our children, uh, in our relationships, things in schools and business, things in our pol political situation. We, just in every realm of life, there is stuff going on. And we need to be praying and we need to hold each other up in prayer. And so I want to... I want to encourage you and encourage you to lift up your arms. And you know one of the ways that we do that just in a super practical way around here is by getting into groups like Rooted, which is coming up really soon, is a discipleship journey of 10 weeks. And through that, we're able to make these relationships and lift each other's hands up in prayer. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, I want to encourage you to do that. Or life groups is the ongoing meeting and collecting together of God's people in smaller groups around our city where, yeah, we eat together, we laugh together, we read the Bible together, we, but we pray together. And you have people in those life groups who will lift up your hands in prayer and you can lift up someone else's in prayer as well. This uh, next series that we're going to do starting next week, is going to be called Together. And in that series, we're going to talk about the way God uses us together in unique ways. And we see it in Scripture, and God has a calling on us together. Let me just close with this kind of illustration from the book of Acts chapter 4. You'll remember Peter and John. They were in a situation where it was the birthing of the, of the early church, of the New Testament church. Jesus had died buried, ascended, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. And now they were about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in their community in Jerusalem. And there was this man who was healed. And because of that dramatic, miraculous healing, what happens? They get persecuted, right? Right after, often a breakthrough, comes some sort of pushback. And so they're called in, called on the carpet by the religious leaders, and the religious leaders were wanting to shut them down. You quit preaching in the name of Jesus. I don't want to hear any more that. If so, you may go to jail, not only beaten, but go to jail for the rest of your life. Well, they, they let them go. And what is the first thing you see Peter and John do? They go to their friends. They go to their small group. And they begin uh, to pray. And I love what they prayed after being threatened and after being uh, kind of intimidated to be shut down in their life and this battle that's going on, this so real and right in front of them, and listen to how they prayed along with their friends. It says, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. And he goes down and he says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness in the midst of this. That is a... Powerful kind of prayer, right? You go to jail, but Lord, we don't want to be shut down. Give us boldness. And while you stretch out your hand, God, to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. 
What a great example in the New Testament of the same similar situation that Moses and Joshua were in. That they prayed and they prayed together. The good news is that God wants to use you in prayer. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to lift me up and me to lift you up and us to lift each other's arms up in prayer and to pray bold prayers, swinging for the fences and praying for boldness in our lives and praying that God would take these strongholds down that we see and he would be victorious. Luke 19, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I want to call us just as a church to be a church that prays, maybe even more so this year than we ever have before. That as we head into this new upcoming kind of fall season, school kickoff, that, that we are a worshiping church, a serving church. We're a church that cares about the community and cares about lost people. And Jesus says, I want you to also care about prayer. I want you to be a praying church, to devote ourselves to pray. Yes, in private, but also together. Corporately, in small groups, in every, in every way. Scripture says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Be thankful in everything. Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together right now. Would you stand up? Maybe you feel right now that there's a a battle raging in your own life or one that you see out there. Maybe it's coming. And it, it might be with fear. It might be with depression, hopelessness. It might be just this contention going on in a relationship that's important to you. It could be in your business. It could just be as we look at the, at the sadness of our country and the, and the fighting, the infighting and the injustices and the inequalities. It could be any number of things. But what I want to ask us to do right now, if you, if you feel so led, is to lift your hands in prayer. We're going to pray right now over a couple of these things. God, we just come to you right now. And we're asking that you teach us how to pray, Lord. Teach us how to be a praying people and a praying person. God, we ask, Lord, show us how to pray intercessory prayers where we pray for others and pray for situations. Lord, right now we're praying over that depressive, hopeless state that is so easy to get into that we see happening, Lord, all across our country. We see happening and we read about suicides and we read about uh, just the prevalence of this and we're just asking in the name of Jesus for a release of hope Lord, for the grace of God to touch people's hearts, to cause their eyes to be lifted up again to heaven, lifted up again to the God who loves them, died for them, redeemed them, and calls them to be his own. We ask, Lord, 
in the name of Jesus, God, on behalf of our country that you bless this country. Help us, Lord. Help us in this climate, Lord, of anxiety, of tension, of bickering, of harsh words. Lord, we pray, would you pour out grace to your leaders and pour out grace in our communities, Lord. Help us to love each other, care about each other, fend for one another, and hold each other's arms up in prayer. God, we pray over the schools that are going to be opening very soon, and we ask, Lord, that you keep them safe. We pray, Lord, that you would minister to the kids, Lord. Speak to them through these teachers and administrators, Lord. God, use them and these coaches. We pray that you keep them safe and that you just work in their lives, developing their character and their skills and their minds and their hearts and their spirits. God, help us stay focused on the main stuff and not be just so distracted with violence and evil and the stuff, Lord, that ends up consuming our attention and our energies. Lord, we pray, Father, we pray that you would encourage and strengthen us this morning in prayer. Help us see that, that, God, you respond in power through a praying people. And we dedicate this year to be a year of prayer. Lord, to be a praying people, to be lifting each other's arms up in prayer. And so we thank you, God. We give you glory. And we ask, Lord, that you would empower us now as we leave this place with boldness, with courage, that we would... Minister in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a great challenge that we get to walk in now, not only today, but the rest of this week and for a whole year of praying. Well, I just want to invite you again, if you're new here, uh, I'd love to meet you right underneath this monitor for our first connect. Um, or maybe if you just haven't been connected yet, or maybe if you're in need of some prayer this morning and you need some people to stand with you this morning, uh, we'd love to be able to pray with you, stand with you right over here. Otherwise, God bless you. Bring someone with you next week as we start our Together series uh, on community. But God bless you. Have a wonderful week.